You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 218. Hello, and welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture, hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs you're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. While we are individually accountable for our own faith and obedience to the Father, God has designed us to be in community. And this week's song, When We Pray by Taryn Wells, draws us into community and into Scripture as we consider what happens when the church the body of Christ, unite together and pray. Before we dive into scripture, let's listen. All the world's not changing when the church starts I love the book of Acts because, well, my papa loved the book of Acts. And when I was college one in college one time, he said, I'll read the book of Acts and you go read the book of Acts. And then we'll discuss what we see in the New Testament church and compare and contrast what we see in the church today. <laughs> uh, there was also that first year of Bible college. I had so desperately to want uh, wanted to go to a Christian school as a young person. My family could not afford it. And so when I went to Bible college and my first semester took a an, a class on Acts, I remember calling my grandparents exclaiming, I have to study the Bible for class. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I just loved it. All right, I've, I've proven it. I'm a nerd. But like Papa implied by his challenge, there are some great truths to be learned from reading the experiences of the early church. And the early church prayed. So let's examine how their world started changing when they prayed and see what we can learn and apply to our own. So in Acts chapter 3, we see Peter and John. They're on their way to the temple for a prayer meeting. And at the gate to the temple, they encountered a crippled man asking them for money. And I love Peter's response here. I learned I learned it in the King James, and it just doesn't sound right any other way. And so here's what he said. He said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, the man was overjoyed, as he should have been, made a pretty big deal of the whole thing. And so he drew a crowd. And it was the perfect opportunity for Peter to preach. And preach he did. It's a great sermon. You should check it out on your own. But during the sermon, some of the bigwigs of the temple came up and were pretty insulted at the message. And so they arrested him. They were a little late, however, because 5,000 people had already heard enough to put their faith in Christ. The next day, they were given a talking to and told to stop using the name of Jesus. And I actually talk about this story in episode 38. We use the song, Just Say Jesus, to talk about it. But I love how the message version puts it. It says, they talked it over. What can we do with these men? By now it's known all over town that a miracle has occurred and that they're behind it. There's no way we can refute that. But so that it doesn't go any further, let's silence them with threats so they won't dare to use Jesus' name ever again with anyone. 
To which Peter and John replied, um, no. <laughs> okay. And to which they said, oh, yes, you will. And then they released them because they really couldn't come up with any charges that would stick. So the reason I tell you this backstory is because as soon as they're released from prison, Peter and John returned to the other believers to tell them everything that had happened. Now, I encourage you to read Acts chapter 3. I gave you the, the down low on it so that we could then talk about this prayer that's getting ready to happen. But in your own study, I would read it in context. Read Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4 so that you can really begin to see the response. So what? So Peter and John, uh, they return to the other believers and they tell them everything that happened. And what did they do? What did they do next? Well, they could have chosen many routes of response, but they chose instead to pray. But really, our song challenges us to consider what happens when we pray. So let's keep reading because I want to see what they prayed and then I want to see what happened afterward. Now, as soon as in, in chapter four, verse 23, it says, as soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they had heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. O oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor, David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. In fact, this has happened here in this very city for Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was, was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. I love this prayer on so many different levels. And again, I love that they had this amazing experience of healing a man and le then leading 5,000 people to salvation and then getting thrown in jail. And when all was said and done, the first thing they did was to acknowledge God in prayer and ask for his help in the next steps. So I already mentioned a bite that I use, which is reading in context. And next, I want to use the bite of observation and pick apart this prayer a little bit. And what is a bite, you might ask? Well, it's a Bible interaction tool exercise. I have many that I pull from. They're very simple. They, I just uh, have many that I pull from, however, to keep my time in God's word varied. But if you want to download my top five bites to help you in your own Bible study, just head over to michellekneesat.com, shoot me your email, and I'll send it right over. Now, my first observation is where they chose to start. And I have to admit to you that sometimes I can get pretty routine in my prayers. You know, my worst time is at night when I'm tired. It's like, dear God, thank you for this day. And thank you for insert daughter's name here. You know what I mean? And um, it's not nearly as profound and worshipful as their beginning. They said, oh, sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. Or like when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he used the example of our Father who, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Um, when Hannah prayed in 1 Samuel, she declared, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you. There is no rock like our God. 
So all we have to do is stay in God's word and then make note of all the amazing characteristics or names of God that we come across and use some of those sometimes when we pray. And I have been really challenged by that this week, just even as I put these thoughts together to be more mindful of how I approach the throne and um, it doesn't have to get old because there's there's no end to him. So my next observation is that they linked their current situation to scripture. Did you catch that they did that? It's so, so powerful. And I know I've mentioned it before, but if we can learn to do this, the results are profound. You know, in my daughter's literature class at school, there is this job of connector. And that person's job is to connect what they're reading currently in the literature book that they're reading with other books, current events, the Bible, history, or other subjects. What a great muscle to flex where you're you're really trying to make connections. And while some people seem to have the gift of connecting things, my contention is that the more you read God's word and make connections, the more connections you will see. So let's examine the connection that they made. In verse 25, it said, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor, David, your servant saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. Now, my Bible has a footnote that tells me this is a quote from Psalm chapter 2. So let's use another bite, another Bible interaction tool exercise. Let's follow the cross-reference. That's, that's what that's called. When, they, when one part of the Bible is quoted in another part of the Bible, the, um, the, the people who put the Bible together has give, have given us a tool. And most Bibles, they don't even have to be study Bibles. Most Bibles have these cross-references. So follow the cross-reference to Psalm chapter 2, and let's read it. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? Hey, wait, we've heard that. Okay. The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against his anointed one. So you notice they put against his Messiah. And in Psalm Psalm 2, it says against his anointed one, which is the Messiah. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger, he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, on my holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. The whole earth is your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now, then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son, or he will become angry, and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities. For his anger flares up in an instant, but what joy for all who take refuge in him. So you see, when they're linking back to Psalm chapter 2, they're talking about the Messiah. The Psalm 2 obviously was talking about the anointed one, the Messiah. And all the believers, they are rightly connected through their knowledge of Scripture to their current events. But when they do that, you know, it's like they kind of quote three verses 
but they're linking back to this psalm and they're making the connection to the entire psalm. And so that's super powerful because listen to what they say in verse 27. In fact, this has happened here in this very city, all right? So they're saying the rulers have risen up against God. The rulers have risen up. They've united against Jesus, your holy servant whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And you see that in Psalm chapter 2. You see they're going to do it. And then the Lord is going to um, laugh and scoff at them because his plans will not be thwarted, even though they um, they killed the Messiah. He His plans were not thwarted because he was uh, he was risen from the dead and he was sat, sat at his right hand. So you see how powerful that is. That's why it's so important for you to stay in God's word. That's why it's so important to really meditate on it, tuck it into the recesses of your heart and mind so that it's there to be called up to make the connection. If you're just speed reading and you're not thinking about it, you're not studying, it, you're not talking about it with other friends, you're not really processing it, then you're not going to remember what you read to make the connection. But the more you're in it, the more connections you'll make. And now let's listen to their request. All right. So we've seen them um, uh, approach God's throne with um, gracious words about him. They've made the connection between uh, scripture to their current circumstances. And now they're at the place where they're making a request. And now, Lord, hear their threats and give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now, one of my favorite tools of observation is the bite of making a list. I guess I just think that way. I know I can read it in a paragraph, but when I slow down enough to make a list and consider each point, it just really computes better for me. So let's list out the believers' uh, together voices. Okay, I say they're together voices because if you remember, after Peter and John completed their report, Scripture says, when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. So here's a list of what their together voices, what they in unity requested from their sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. All right. They say, hear their threats. Now, this is a request for God to see the situation the way they see it, which is not a sinful thing, right? They are simply asking that God see what they're up against. Hear their threats. And then their next request is give us boldness in preaching your word. Now, this is a request to, they've actually acknowledged that their call to preach the word is greater than the threats, right? If you really think about it, they didn't ask for an escape plan. They asked for boldness. They didn't ask for the threat to be removed. They asked for boldness. And I don't know about you, but when I come up against an obstacle, Sometimes I don't ask for boldness to proceed as if there's no obstacle. I usually request that the obstacle be removed, to be honest. But that's not how they prayed. Then the next request, stretch out your hand with healing power. Who are they calling on to be healed? Now, if you consider the context of this whole experience, the threats were a result of Peter and John calling on God's healing power in Jesus' name to begin with. So in effect, they are asking God to continue on this path as well. And then their next request, may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Again, this is in direct response to the threats, right? Because they threatened them to stop using the name of Jesus. Let's keep on using the name of Jesus, Lord, and give us boldness to do it. 
So one of the bites I use from time to time is to consult an outside resource. I love to read. I'm always reading books and resources along with reading my Bible. I encourage you to never replace your Bible reading with outside resources, but they absolutely can enhance it, enlighten it, and even cause you to delve in and wrestle. That's always fun. But if you only have time for one, then I challenge you to make time for God's word. But if you have time, this is a great resource I'm getting ready to tell you about. Because the question that the song made me ask is, what happens when the church prays, right? And it brought up a title I hadn't considered in a while. It's a book by Evelyn Christensen called What Happens When Women Pray. And I grabbed it off the shelf and I actually gave it a quick read this week. It's pretty short. There is story after story of what happened as Evelyn Christensen, the author who published this book in 1974, by the way, experienced as she taught women to pray. Now, for my male listeners, don't be afraid of this book. The lessons Mrs. Christensen taught to women are for everyone. She just happened to teach it only to women in the context of her ministry in the 70s. So I highly recommend it to both men and women. Um, if It's sound teaching. It's simple. But there's a few. Um, she uses six S's that she used to teach folks to pray in small groups together in unity, like we see her in Acts chapter 4. And I just wanted to list those out for you really quick. First, she suggests that we pray subject by subject. So you can pray in one accord. You can be unified when you just pray for one subject at a time. And what's interesting is in our prayer here, you see that. I mean, even though there's kind of like I made a list of their requests, it was really all focused around the subject of what happened. There's these threats. You, first, there's miracles. Then there's threats. And so God, we're asking for you not to remove the obstacles, but give us boldness um, as we continue to face these threats, that we won't that we won't be meek, but that we will be bold, and that you'll keep going on the path of, of the miracles. So, subject by subject, pray in one accord about one subject at a time. Um, that's really helpful. Short prayers. So, um, my friend and I had done um, several prayer groups using. I've got several friends that we've done this a couple of times using the format of this book as an example. And those short prayers, just one or two sentences on each subject is huge. It, it makes it easier for people to pray in one accord, meaning I can pay attention to you if you just give me a sentence or two and I can, in my mind, agree with you um, because it's so short. Simple prayers, meaning prayers from the heart, avoid using complicated phrases and vocabulary. We've all seen those people who are amazing prayers and it's very intimidating. And so um, by going subject by subject, by keeping your sentences short and by using simple words, that will help. Specific prayer requests, you know, keeping a journal of requests and answers are important. Silent periods are okay. You know, prayer is a two-way communication between you and God. And then small groups where two or three are gathered in his name, he's in the midst of them. So just it doesn't, you don't have to have 50 people. You can just have a few. So those are the six S's. But we can't ignore the result of this simple short prayer prayed in a small group with unity and together voices. So you see all six S's right here. Um, I'm assuming there's silent periods. There's no example of that. But um, you see them here in this prayer. So let's look at verse 31 to see what happened. All right, it says, After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Our song says, All the world starts changing when the church starts praying. Strongholds start to break 
when we pray. And ultimately what happened when these united believers prayed together, God answered their prayer. They prayed in God's will and he gave them what they asked, his power and his presence and his boldness to preach the word of God. So what's next? Well, read Acts chapter 3 and 4 for yourself. Don't miss the context as you examine this unified prayer of these believers. Ponder what they did not ask for as much as you ponder what they did. And then grab a small group of believers and pray. Write down your observations. Follow the cross-references to Psalm chapter 2. There's more to observe there too. And then while you're in God's word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneezat.com. Hop on Twitter at michellekneezat or Facebook, Michelle L. Nizat, and we can talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank the premier Christian music streaming service, theoverflow.com, for pointing their subscribers to this podcast, but more importantly, pointing them to God's word through music. When you subscribe to their trial, you will receive a 10-day series of devotions I wrote based on some of my most popular podcast episodes. So I I encourage you to check them out at theoverflow.com. And then I want to thank my newest subscribers to my website, like Cindy from Michigan, Nita from Virginia, Austin from Florida, Keith from Florida, Bev from Wisconsin, Omar from Illinois, and Ayla from California. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from that one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a great place to start. And I uh, will also send an email once a week that just highlights, gives you kind of the show notes of the episode. I also include a weekly memory verse resource in that email as well. I create all of these things just to say thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneezat.com to subscribe today. Now don't miss an episode of my podcast. You can subscribe directly in iTunes. You can follow me on Spotify or uh, Stitcher Radio if you have an Android device. And while you're there, please leave me a written review and a star rating. This not only encourages me, but helps me stay visible to new listeners. And as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be using Who You Say I Am by Hillsong Worship to jump into scripture. If you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Just head over to michellekneezat.com forward slash 218. While you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.